So, where were we? I was just leaving. Right, you were leaving. I can't believe you sent a woman into the sauna to do that That was me. an accident! I think you're both mentally ill. Oh. And by the way, they're real oh. and they're spectacular. But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello, real and spectacular Stephen. Hello, Salman Rushdie. <laughs> Salbath. And welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, also known as the acronym Bidwabask. And uh, this week, Stephen, we are doing a famous season four episode. We're doing episode 18 of that season, The Implant. Yeah, an episode full of classic lines, classic scenes. Uh, the boys, they're real and they're spectacular, etc., etc. So, uh, yeah, lots to talk about and uh, lots of secondary characters to dive into. Yes, and plenty of uh, dipping, double dipping of chips going on in this episode. We might be double dipping, uh, oh, actually, no, there probably won't be any secondary characters we have talked about before in one hour old what's the deal with one Stephen so we're just doing a single dip today yeah single dip not a uh, no double dipping because double dipping leads <laughs> yes. to fights and we don't want that no we don't want that I don't want Timmy just popping out of nowhere and being like hey you double dipped the podcast I'll exactly. be like oh <laughs> this dweeby teenager will come and kick my ass <laughs> no yeah, thanks we want to keep it peaceful <laughs> absolutely and if you want to give us peace or you want to say ask how we're doing you can send us an email bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com we love getting what you send us and uh, we respond to every single one we get. You can also find us on social media at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. And uh, Stephen, we're also on Patreon and PayPal. That's right. You can uh, support us for as little as $2 US a month plus taxes. And uh, for your money, you will get uh, access to our standard episodes a week early, as well as access to our bonus content. We have half of season 11 up, which is our fictional season 11 of Seinfeld set in the modern day, as well as Curbcast. We've just started season three. We've just recorded the third episode of that. And we've got a whole back catalog of other the bonus content like movie reviews, one-off podcasts, etc., etc. So uh, check it out. Yes, and so on. And uh, Stephen, we have, or you, actually, it, it's more your Facebook page, but uh, I help out as well. Uh, you've got the hundred thousand K member Seinfeldisms page. Yeah, so we're the biggest uh, Seinfeld group on Facebook. Seinfeldisms, check it out. We ticked over a hundred thousand members on the weekend, which is just mind blowing, and it doesn't seem to be stopping. So uh, check out Seinfeldisms on Facebook, and we do have a sponsor at the moment as well. The guys who make the Seinfeld replica set, which which is uh, pretty pretty awesome. Uh, doing a deal via Seinfeldisms uh, where you can get 20% off the standard price. It is $500 US, so it is quite expensive, but there were only 500 of these sets made uh, after they are sold. They're never making them again. So coming up to Christmas, it might be a really, really good gift idea. And uh, for the discount, you do get 20% off, which is $100. Uh, and that is only available to US and Canadian customers only. So uh, yeah, check that out. Yeah, so us Aussies miss out, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll make do. We'll just make our own Seinfeld set. I'll make my own diet drama like George did in season eight <laughs> yeah, exactly. when he used the Nike shoe box that's yeah. so good speaking of Seinfeld isn't my friend what has happened in the real world in your week that is Seinfeld related do you have any uh no unfortunately a uh it was in three week uh last week I think we had four in total between us and uh back to nothing for me what about you well I have one actually so I was uh going to the market early Saturday morning to get my produce <laughs> and um I was driving home and I turned on the uh radio and I went 
went to a, it's, there's a radio station in Melbourne called Gold 104.3. They play like um, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, early 2000s, like pop and rock and stuff. And uh, I switched it on and the host was interviewing Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. And apparently it's his, well, they claim that it was his only Australian interview because he's in New York. He's uh, he's in isolation at the moment uh, in New York State. And uh, yeah, the uh, host, his name's Christian O'Connell. He uh, was chatting to Jerry. Uh, they were talking about COVID. Um, Jerry was making jokes about things like social distancing and that sort of thing. And uh, he promoted his new book and uh, talked a bit about his career. So it was really fascinating. Uh, I heard just a snippet of it. I didn't hear the whole thing. I think the whole thing went for like 45 minutes or thereabouts. And they played it in stages, you know, with music broken up. Um, but yeah, I heard the first 15 minutes or so and it was pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I've noticed that Jerry's doing a lot of press at the moment for his new book. Have you have you managed to read it? No, I still haven't opened it. I've done a George, unfortunately. I might have to watch the movie when it comes out. Just um, find out who hired the movie and go to their house and insist that you watch it with them and weird out their daughter. Yeah, and then like spill grape juice on their couch by accident. <laughs> yeah, just shush. I'm trying to watch the movie. Absolutely. But anyway, buddy, what about Seinfeld news? I'm sure you have at least one or two articles today. Yeah, I've got one. So it's not really news, but uh, for the sake of having something, I uh, decided to include it. A website by the name of Screen Rant, who put out uh, all sorts of content, put out an article through the week called Recasting the Characters of Seinfeld if it was made today. And uh, they basically recast the core four, as well as some of the major secondary characters, with uh, modern day or younger actors. So yeah, not too bad. The core four, according to them, would be played by, uh, Jerry would be played by Dan Levy, who is- Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's uh, mostly well known from uh, Schitt's Creek, which is uh, pretty popular at the moment. Yeah, he um, plays the son, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Elaine would be played by a woman, uh, Linda Cardellini. I haven't heard of her before. Judging by her credits, she's uh, she's quite a uh, successful actress. Kramer would be played by Jason Manzukas, which um, I think is a pretty good choice. He's got um, sort of a zany quality about him, um, and he is a bit wacky. And uh, he does have the sort of like curly hair, so I think that's uh, that's a pretty good choice. George would Perfect. be played by Hannibal Burris. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see the similarities. Like Hannibal plays, uh, he does a lot of stand-up comedy, but he does act in some roles as well. And he does play a lot of characters that are a bit sort of maladjusted and a bit creepy. Or messed up so I think that's a pretty good choice um, nice really cool Newman would be played by Nick Kroll different physically but uh, Nick Kroll does sort of embody that creepy slimy conniving kind of character that qualities that Newman has yeah exactly Frank mm. Costanza would be played by Lewis Gossett Jr ah fantastic Great choice. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Estelle would be played by Pam Greer, which I think is a really good choice as well. Morty Seinfeld, um, Eugene Levy, which I think is really good. Um, love Eugene. Makes sense. And, yep. and finally, uh, Helen Seinfeld, Catherine O'Hara. Um, I didn't know her name, but I'm looking at a picture and uh, she is also in Shit's Creek. So they must have a thing for Shit's Creek. Maybe. maybe That's right. Yeah. Shit's Creek wrote this article or something. <laughs> maybe. Uh, well, yes. people say that Shit's Creek is very similar to Seinfeld oh, in terms right. of some of the humor and stuff. That's, that's what I've been told. I mean, I've watched the first couple of episodes but yeah Eugene Levy Dan Levy and Catherine O'Hara they're all in uh, Shit's Creek so it, yeah it's, it, it is that kind of weird kind of you know observational humor at times uh, but there is some situations from what I've seen I'm sure it's a bit different as you go along but yeah I, I but I have heard I have seen comparisons between both of the shows okay well uh, maybe we should hmm. maybe we should watch it one time and talk about it maybe that's what yeah. actually inspired this article maybe they realized that uh you know these three would make a good Helen Morty and Jerry and then they figured out the rest so uh, yeah interesting exactly article, yeah and plus because Eugene and Dan they're actually like real life father and son so Morty and Jerry would have good chemistry yeah no they would have a natural chemistry not just because they're father and son but because they're both uh, good 
good actors as well. So I think that would that would work well. Yeah. yeah. So uh, not a bad little article. And that's really all the Seinfeld news for the week. So I check out the link. Very good, mate. I might have a read of that as well because I, I did see that on Seinfeldism's page. Someone put it up, but I didn't read it. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely check that out for sure. Be very interesting reading. For sure. Anyway, much shorter introduction than last week, mate. Last week was a pretty <laughs> full on full episode. But uh, let's have a really quick break. And when we come back, we're talking about some secondary characters from today's episode from season four, The Implant. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. Season 4, episode 18 of Seinfeld is The Implant. This episode first aired in the US on February 25th, 1993. Directed by Tom Sharones and written by Peter Melman. In this episode, Jerry has a gorgeous new girlfriend named Sidra Holland, played by Terry Hatcher, but can't help but wonder if her breasts are real or fake. Elaine tells him she's sure they're fake, and he decides not to see her again. An encounter in the sauna leads her to think otherwise. George has to attend an out-of-town funeral and does his best to get a discounted fare. At the wake, George is accosted by a mourner. His name's Timmy, played by Kieran Mulroney, after George double dips his chip in the dip. <laughs> I guess with, uh, you know, much like Aaron the Close Talker last week, Steve, Timmy or George uh, wouldn't do too well in this COVID era with uh, the double dipping. Well, yeah, I, I think he, he wouldn't do so well in that he comes right up in George's face. But I think uh, from a COVID point of view, he does have some ammunition with George, maybe not doing the most hygienic thing. So uh, it, it, it does it does make his uh, his character and the point he's trying to make a bit more complex. Mm, and George is also in the wrong for... Well, actually, I don't think they'd even share food. They probably, you know, have separate plates these days, wouldn't they? You wouldn't just go up and get like a, you know, a platter and just grab stuff. Yeah, no, they'd have to have some sort of COVID plan to uh, make sure that the food serving is hygienic and they might not even be able to have like a wake. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of funerals and weddings are, are limited to the point where people aren't even having them or they're delaying them. So there would, mm-hmm. might not even be a funeral for George to go to. Mm, I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, he uh, went all the way to Detroit and he tried to get that bereavement fare on his return, but it didn't work out for him. He had to pay full I price. I know. And he goes so far <laughs> as to take a photo with the coffin and try and use that to get some of his airfare back. It's just typical it's scumbag. pathetic, George. isn't it? Scumbag George. Yes. And other secondary characters are Megan Mullally. She plays Betsy, George's episode girlfriend. Tony Tony Amendola, he plays Sal Bass. He is a spitting image of Salman Rushdie. And I actually looked at photos of Salman Rushdie a couple of days ago, and he looks exactly like the actor. Like, you know, it's like a mirror image. It's pretty scary. Peggy Stewart plays Aunt May. Bruce Ed Morrow plays Father Jessup at the funeral. And Donald Bishop plays Dr. Alan Wood. Some trivia for the episode, mate. What do you have? The very famous scene where Sidra leaves Jerry's apartment after she figures out what uh, him and Elaine have been up to in regards to her breasts was originally scripted as just her saying uh, they're real but then Jerry on the spot came up with the idea of including and they're spectacular as an addition to sort of really make that punchier Um, and you know uh, it was one of those sort of in the moment decisions that led to one of the most quoted and most well-known lines from the show. A very well-known line which is also repeated in the finale by Jackie Charles after he uh, (laughs) he sleeps with Sidra. Yeah he rubs it in uh, Jerry's face I think doesn't he? I think does he say it in court? Oh he sure does yes. No he says it in court after they leave and they're sentenced (laughs) to jail. That's right. <laughs> and Terry Hatcher, she's among uh, Jerry's innumerable girlfriends who are also on the show Desperate Housewives. So Terry Hatcher is the first.
first one, and also appearing are Brenda Strong, Sue Ellen Mischke, and uh, the actress Marsha Cross, who is in The Slicer, is uh, George or Jerry's episode girlfriend. So three actresses who would go on to be in that show uh, are in Seinfeld. Yeah, one of those uh, strange coincidences. Not uh, trivia per se, but just a few points about Salman Rushdie himself. A lot of people have heard his name, but uh, you might not actually be aware of why he is quite famous. He wrote a book in uh, the late 80s called Satanic Verses, and uh, it was quite critical of Muslims and uh, Muhammad in particular. And uh, the leader mm-hmm. of Iran at the time, I think he still is the leader, uh, Ayatollah uh, Khomeini, he actually issued a fatwa on him and it still stands. And I believe to this day, Salman Rushdie still travels in disguise and uh, under a pseudonym and also with uh, some sort of armored guard or protection. So, you know, 30 odd years ago and it's still a potential threat. Yeah, he uh, and he goes to health clubs in New York and he pretends his name's Sal Bass. <laughs> so Kramer was right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't think, you know, obviously it's just a joke in the show, but uh, if that was a sil- the real Salman Rushdie, I don't think talking to a stranger like Kramer and giving away, not specifics, but enough details about your life that you used to live in the desert, that you're a writer, is uh, very mm-hmm. good privacy management. Yeah, I think uh, it would have gone really dark really quick. Yeah, I think so. I can imagine a storyline, you know, if it turned out to be the real Salman Rushdie where Kramer accidentally tells someone of the Islamic faith who, you know, and then it gets back to, uh, you know, the Iranian government and uh, they track him down, you know, all through Kramer just sort of opening his big mouth to the wrong person. Yeah, that'd be a full on one. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. I mean, he's the cause for Salman to get captured and possibly killed. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, the Seinfeld aren't going to take it that far and, and show the assassination of, uh, you know, a, a writer whose life is under threat every day. No, for sure. <laughs> and uh, the final bit of trivia that I have, Stephen, uh, the TV show Mythbusters in 2009, they tested the theory of double dipping and if it's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip, like Timmy says, they found that double dipping produced fewer microbes than putting all your dip, all the dip in your mouth. And also the amount of microbes present was negligible compared to the amount found in regular dip. Yeah, to me, look, that makes sense. Because, I mean, if you think about it, you're double dipping a chip. And when you take the first bite after the first dip, there'd be a little bit of saliva and stuff from your mouth left over on the chip. And when you put it back in the bowl, your chip, your half bitten chip is only touching a tiny bit of the dip. It's not like you're putting the chip right in there and mixing it around and getting all the dip covered in your uh, Mm. your half bitten chip. So, yeah, I mean, Timmy's obviously a bit bit of a psycho anyway. But uh, a a poor, poor comparison to make in terms of like the coverage of bacteria uh, not not really accurate yeah well when we talk about timmy we can probably hypothesize why he was you know exaggerating and saying those things but anyway steve let's talk about our first character for today the uh well wonderful sidra holland a very uh, favorite character of mine growing up watching seinfeld <laughs> for different reasons played by terry hatcher she's most famous for her roles in tv shows lois and clark the new adventures of superman and her golden globe winning role in desperate housewives she's also appeared in the films tomorrow never dies and spy kids and her character like we mentioned earlier appears in the finale where she testifies against jerry and elaine and she also sleeps with jackie Childs. and man i when i was younger man i used to have the biggest crush on terry hatcher yeah she was uh she was a very popular 90s crush for a lot of teenage boys um and you know probably a lot of men as well oh yeah i mean she's you know she's a beautiful woman and i think in the 90s her you know her main vehicle for boys to discover her and therefore crush on her was uh lois and clark she was lois and you know that that was a pretty popular show in the 90s and then you know she she got famous as well from this role and then uh most famously desperate housewives so yeah she she was uh, much loved for many reasons by by many young and older and uh, uh men and women. so <laughs> i know yeah she was just yeah she was i don't know I, I used to watch lois and clark all the time and uh, yeah she was just gorgeous <laughs> i couldn't get my eyes off her. 
what else? Yeah, Go crazy. A, uh, a specimen. Oh, she sure is, yes. And uh, Jerry, very lucky to, you know, get with someone like her. But uh, I feel like with Sidra, uh, just talking about her as the character, she's really confident in herself. Like, she's so confident in the fact that, you know, people think that her breasts are, are fake. But I feel like she's so confident she doesn't have to have any plastic surgery done. She's probably like, you know what? I have a nice body. I know that I've got a nice figure. I've got a nice face. You know, I know that I'm very attractive to many men. I don't need to get my breasts done. Yeah. I mean, she seems to be, yeah, very self-assured. Doesn't seem like arrogant or cocky. Um, just just that sort of good, healthy level of confidence of, uh, you know, I like the way I look and uh, I'm not going to do anything to, you know, for the benefit of anyone else but myself. And in this case, she is just keeping her body the way it is. I feel like in the 90s, plastic surgery, Steve, was a very taboo subject. I think if you were found out to have any kind of surgery, Botox, breast implants or anything like that, I feel like maybe in the 90s, it was really like stigmatizing. You know, like if, if you knew someone had it, you really looked down on them. Because I remember when Pamela Anderson had plastic breasts, you know, she got um, breast surgery and then there was all criticism in the media and stuff. And, you know, she was kind of like chastised for it and mocked and stuff. But I feel like attitudes have probably changed since then. Yeah, no, I would agree. In the 90s, I think it was seen as either a sign of sort of opulence or just trashiness and it wasn't it wasn't as normalized and it was a lot more expensive and the technology wasn't as good so i think it was a lot more risky as well but now these days with yeah with social media and just the the bettering of attitudes towards mostly women some men but mostly women and their bodies and just letting them choose to do whatever they want to do with them yeah has just made it a bit less of a thing i, it, I mean I, I still hear bits and pieces of criticism especially when young women get major plastic surgery you know are they do they have body image issues etc cetera, etc cetera. but it seems to be a lot more these days it is yeah and i feel like with sidra like even back then i feel like she's just so confident in herself you know people could say you've had plastic surgery and she's like no i didn't i'm so confident in myself i don't have to well she kind of indicates that well she tells jerry that she is sick of people asking about her breasts whether they're fake or real and she tells him and i imagine she would tell anyone asking her the same thing that it's none of their business so i don't think she would say yeah of course i haven't had it i think she would just say I'm not telling you because I don't need to tell you and it's none of your business. But, you know, if she were to consider it, I mean, she doesn't in this episode at all. It's just sort of assumed based on the fact that her breasts are so good or perky that she probably does have fake breasts. But if she were to consider it, I think that stigma that was around in the 90s would have factored into whether she would have or not. Even if she really wanted to. Yes. What will people think? Yeah, what will people think? Yeah, I mean, if I got them done, will it change? You know, because someone like Jerry would is, you know, repulsed by the idea of having a girlfriend with fake breasts. So maybe, you know, like, you know, mirror with other men too yeah i think i think it was seen as like like uh, uh like jerry says you know it's like when um it, it's like finding out that mickey mantle has something his bat corked his bat corked, corked his, bat. his bat yeah I, I think a lot of blokes in the 90s thought that it was almost cheating in a way and that they were yes you know, they took it personally, like they were being hoodwinked. When these days, I think it's a case of just like, well, you know, it's, it's not really my business. And if I like the person, then I like the breasts, regardless of whether they're fake or real. And a lot of people have breast surgery for different reasons too. You know, yeah. it's not necessarily for like vanity. It's more, you know, it could be for medical reasons or, you know, for someone who's lost a breast or something. And then they kind of, you know, get a new one to kind of feel, you know, like whole, I suppose. Yeah, it's not always cosmetic. A lot of the time it's medical or reconstructive, you know, and a lot of people get breast reductions as well because they, they, they do. the pain and the, the discomfort of big breasts, you know, is too much. So yeah, it, it's, it's just regardless of why it's done, a lot less people care these days. They just sort of accept it. And I think it's just time has changed that social media has helped and just, just the normalization mm. of it, all those things combined, people seem to just care less and less. And even if you find out if someone has had them done, it's not really a thing anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, cool. Like 
nah. Bronya sort of thing. It's not like, oh my God. Nah, it's totally different these days. But I guess we could say, Steve, that Jerry met um, Sidra at the gym. And uh, isn't it interesting? We did the contest regifted a couple of weeks ago, and it's the same gym uh, that Elaine was in with JFK. Yeah, she, uh, she, I imagine she would have encouraged Jerry to join the gym. You know, some stage between the Virgin and this episode. You know, and Jerry's come along. Yes, I mean Jerry likes his sports. He likes playing softball and he uh, likes playing tennis. Um, and he has been in the gym in a few different episodes. But uh, you know, I can imagine him being maybe a bit reluctant. Like, oh, I don't really want to join the gym, but I'll go just to sort of keep Elaine happy. But as soon as he met Sidra, he uh, he didn't regret joining the gym. Yeah, I think it's probably one of those situations where yeah, he he went to the gym and he wasn't planning on you know meeting up, and then yeah, he met Sidra, and uh, that was you know that was that. I, I reckon yeah, maybe they met at a, like a gym equipment because like in the first scene it's obvious that jerry has talked to sidra before because they've already gone on a date i believe and it was going to be their second one yeah so yeah jerry's probably like thanks elaine yeah definitely even you know if they've been on one or maybe two dates by this stage he you know they're very flirty in the opening scene when they're at the gym and i think they have initially you know sometimes chemistry takes a little while to build up you need to go on a few dates before you find your rhythm but i think their their chemistry was there straight away um and i think she actually, oh yeah i think she actually really liked jerry but you know she was obviously very bothered when he broke it off he didn't tell her why which was that he isn't a fan of fake breasts he lied to her which is fair enough i, I think that's probably the right thing to do if uh, if that's your reason it's probably a good reason to lie because i think that would be pretty hurtful to hear and you know she's she seems a bit ticked off at jerry not only for breaking up with her but for also going back to her as jerry described her and implying elaine mentally ill girlfriend ex-girlfriend mentally ill. you're yeah, both so, mentally ill <laughs> you know you saying that she's very confident i think she's confident in herself not in her looks but also her stand I think she just her standards as well. Yes, you know she she's she wouldn't be desperate in any circumstance. But towards the end of the episode, when she's back in Jerry's apartment, she even says like I don't even know why I'm here. But then uh, they sit down and they talk a bit about breasts, and you know Jerry's trying to figure out whether they're fake or not. And she immediately she sort of basically puts sex back on the cards and says or back on the table and says you know I think you're going to find out soon enough. So you know even though she regrets coming back, I think her initial attraction to Jerry kind of takes over and and alleviates that. Mm. I think as well going back to what you were saying about Jerry wanting to you know break the whole thing off I feel like with Sidra because she's such an attractive confident woman I don't think many guys break it off with her I feel like she probably breaks off the majority of the relationships and seeing someone like Jerry you know break something off because she knows because she tells Elaine that you know Jerry you know when they're talking about Jerry but you know Elaine doesn't like she doesn't know that Elaine knows Jerry they talk about how he's immature and he likes Superman and you know all that sort of stuff and you know she's probably thinking to herself a guy who likes cereal a guy who likes Superman and he's immature wants to break up with someone like me. It's like, what? That doesn't make sense. It should be me breaking up with him. Yeah, I think I think she was definitely thrown by it. You know, normally she has the hand and uh, some of her hand was taken away and I don't think that that's common for her. So it would have rattled her a bit. Yeah, I just feel like it would have been a bit of like an affront to her. She's probably like, yeah. what? I'm usually the one that does the breakups. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, Jerry obviously didn't break up with her to get hand, but uh, I think if she broke up with him for whatever reason and then Jerry convinced her to come over, I think she still would have been a bit more reluctant to jump back into bed with him straight away. I feel like it too, yeah. And then, yeah, basically the whole concept, once she sees Elaine walk in the door, you know, she gets jealous and, uh, you know, she feels deceived and uh, and that's it. She's As soon as Elaine walks in and, uh, you know, Kramer mentions that her and uh, or Jerry and Elaine went to Puerto Rico together, then Sidra can, uh, you know, connect all the dots. 
figure it out. Yeah. No, she's very perceptive and she figures it out pretty quickly. And uh, she doesn't really let Jerry get away with it. She and she rubs it in, you know, rubs his face in it, so to speak. And uh, and says, <laughs> and rather than just leaving, she has to come back and uh, you know put the boot in and and says, you know, they're real and they're spectacular. So yeah, she, she sort of regains her hand that she normally has in that moment, and I think she feels like herself again. And then she's a uh, you know sexual goddess once again. Yeah, I think so. I think she, you know, for a few days she was a bit off. She's like, hang on, no one breaks up with me, but when she realizes that she should break up with Jerry because of what they did. She's uh she's back on top. Yeah, she's re- regained her confidence. Yeah, she's back on top, just not on top of Jerry. No, not quite. <laughs> Unfortunately for him. But yes, I liked Sidra. I liked uh, I liked Terry Hatcher as an actress, as you uh, already know by now. Yeah, and I think she would she played the role really well. She was nice. You know, she wasn't trying to be comedic and funny. She was pretty straight edge. You know, her her role. And uh, yeah, no, she uh, she did good. Yeah, no, look, she she's not really known for being uh, one of Jerry's girlfriends with like a quirk or or a weird sort of characteristic or anything like that she's just pretty straight down the line but her beauty and the lines that she is given and her acting chops uh, make her still one of the more memorable jerry girlfriends absolutely do you have anything else on sidra mate no that's it Okay, beautiful. Let's talk about Betsy, George's episode girlfriend, played by another heavy hitter in the TV world. Uh, she's played by Megan Mullally. She's most famous for her Golden Globe-nominated role as Karen in the sitcom Will and Grace, as uh, so someone who else who's, uh, you know, become pretty famous on TV. Uh, she's also appeared in the films Why Me and B-Movie, the Jerry Seinfeld animated film. Uh, so unlike uh, Sidra, who's probably more, you know, open to sex and uh, that sort of thing, Betsy, I feel like, is the complete opposite. I feel like she comes from a conservative family. Family. I mean, she is from Detroit. Uh, I'm not familiar with the, you know, middle upper class mentality of people from Detroit. I don't know uh, the background of that. But uh, yeah, she. I think she's probably very religious and very conservative. And, and Jerry even mentions that George has gone on seven dates with Betsy and they still haven't done anything. So I think George is trying to, you know, have a go. But uh, Betsy's uh, probably sticking to her maybe religious beliefs. Yeah, no, she seems conservative, a bit buttoned up, a bit kind of mousy and a bit introverted. Yeah, and it, it may be because of religious beliefs or just her upbringing in general. And But George doesn't seem to be hanging around just to have sex with her. He actually says in the sauna, you know, I really like her. I really care about her. So I think for George, you know, if it was anyone else, he would have given up after three or four dates when he realized that sex maybe isn't going to happen for a little while, if at all, until they're married. But uh, he seems mm. to care about Betsy beyond just wanting to sleep with her and is willing to put his own sort of desire as an ego aside and uh, spend time with her. I mean, he's still trying to have sex with her, don't get me wrong, but he's not letting that dissolve the relationship. No, he doesn't. No, he, c- he certainly wants to try something, but it's funny how, you know, he hasn't had sex with her, but then he gets roped into a funeral and to meet all the family. You know, normally, you know, when you meet someone, you, you know, have your relations with them and bond a bit and then you meet the family <laughs> generally. Um, so George is probably feeling like he's really been thrown into the deep end here. Well, I think he sees it as like a fast track to sex, not only because, you know, she would be in more and maybe in more need of emotional comfort, which can, you know, emotional comfort and sexual comfort are very closely linked, you know, in, in forms of, in terms of like intimacy, but also as uh, Jerry and Kramer say in the in the in the sauna that it's like ten dates in one. So I think he sees it as more of a fast track to the sex. Yes, yes, very true. And then it shows that he's always going to be there for her. And uh, yeah, then maybe she'll uh, change her mind. Yeah, I mean he's not he's not going to the funeral to to comfort her to do the right thing. He's doing it to to sort of sell his image of who he can be to her family and also to yeah to accelerate the prospect of sex for his own reasons. And he, for his own reasons, and he wants to save money uh, going to Detroit and back. Yeah, well, I mean initially he doesn't want to really do it at all, but. 
when he's sold the idea of like, well, this this will get you to the sex a lot quicker, you know, and then Kramer convinces him of the bereavement fair. Um, yeah, then he's convinced. Yeah, he's convinced to carry on and, and see what happens and hopefully uh, get some. Yeah, and I think, you know, Betsy is very close to her family. She's very distressed when uh, she gets the call and uh, she's told that Aunt Clarice died. She's obviously very upset. And I'm sure she knows that Timmy, who we'll talk about soon, is a bit weird and maybe has a few anger issues, but she still loves mm. him enough that even though he started the fight, you hear like a big ruckus in the house. They just show an outside shot of the house and you hear her saying, get out. I never want to see you I never want to see you again. To New York. Yeah. So even though yeah. Timmy was in the wrong and she probably knows he has a history of anger that she still loves, like she's still going to take his side because he's family. So I think, I think she, you know, comes from that close knit religious or conservative family, you know, where regardless of what happens, uh, her family is always going to be number one. I find it interesting because I've only ever seen Megan in the role as Karen and Will and Grace and her character. I don't know. Have you ever watched Will and Grace? Uh, I've watched a bit of it. I watched, you know, I watched it when it first came out. Um, and I do remember her. Yeah. Well, I think she's Will's secretary. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, she is. Karen. And uh, she's just a very loud, lively person. You know, she yeah. just, uh, you know, she's really bombastic and loud. Like she's totally different to her role here. I just, I, I just find it interesting seeing her in like a different light in this episode. Normally she's like really bubbly and outgoing and loud. Not in this case. It's just, it's strange. I think in the, in the nineties and the early two thousands, when typecasting was a bit more of a thing, I think she was typically typecast as like the airhead. <laughs> like the squeaky voice, almost like bimbo in a way. Mm, yes. And I, I do remember that's kind of what her character was like in Will and Grace, that she was a bit, you know, there's a lot of space between the ears, I think. Yeah, big space cadet. Yeah, a bit of a space cadet. But yeah, no, you're right. It is It is weird seeing her in a much more like buttoned up conservative role, you know, much more softly spoken and much more sort of mild and mousy. It just shows her range. Yeah, for sure. That's all I had about Betsy, really. I mean, we don't see her ever again in the series. And uh, yeah, she uh, breaks up with George and we find blood's thicker than water. Yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if Betsy, you know, not only to be with her family back in Detroit, because Aunt Clarice obviously meant a lot to everyone, but, uh, you know, I, I imagine that she maybe she moved to New York to sort of like spread her wings a bit. Maybe she wanted to, you know, challenge herself, you know, and get out of the, the conservative bubble that she was in or her family bubble. And, uh, you know, she's obviously slowly dipping her toes in the water. And But I imagine George maybe would have like completely put her off that idea and she would have come back to Detroit very soon after this. Yeah, she I feel would've... like George would have changed her life. Yeah, for sure. And, and and, you know, obviously it would have timed well because she needed to be there for her family. But I reckon that was a good enough reason for her to go, you know what? I tried New York, didn't work out. The guy I met was a creep and a weirdo who wanted to get a bereavement fair. And uh, I'm going to go back to Detroit to be with my family. All right. Good for her. And hopefully she found someone else and married them. Someone probably in that uh, denom- denomination. Yeah. Someone more close to her community. Mm, absolutely. Anyway, shall we talk about her brother, Tumo? Yes. <laughs> Tumo. Played by actor and writer Kieran Mulroney. Uh, for TV, he's appeared in ER and Nash Bridges, as well as the TV show The Guardian. He has written for films including the 2017 adaptation of Power Rangers and the film Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. And uh, Steve, you mentioned that Timmy does have anger issues, and I probably have to agree with you. I feel like he's had it in for George the whole time since he's arrived. I think that maybe, because this the scene happens like you know, after the funeral or after the wake, I feel like George might have said something silly after the funeral, maybe, and Timmy heard it. And then, you know, Timmy just got really pissed and he, because he just really has it in for him the whole time. Yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree actually that he had it in for George before he even met George. 
because you know they first introduced when he's sitting down and uh, George meets Aunt May and the the priest as well. And um, Betsy says, you know, oh, that's my brother Timmy, and he he looks over and he waves and he sort of gives a look of like, yeah, hi, like whatever. Mm. So I think some, George did something, you know, yeah, maybe he put his foot in it at the funeral, maybe he gave a speech, or you know, Timmy overheard him say something that was typically George, which is usually very inappropriate. And uh, he's just, yeah. And he's probably a bit more on edge as well because his aunt just died. You know, people, yeah. people's patience and uh, wherewithal can be a bit tested, usually a bit more fragile around a funeral. Mm. So I think George, mm. yeah, just yeah. the double dipping just pushed him over the edge. It did. And you mentioned before that Timmy, you know, while he's an asshole or, you know, while he's an asshole, Betsy still loves and cares for him. I feel like it's the same thing for Timmy and towards Betsy. I feel like that she, you know, despite his asshole demeanor, he still loves her sister, uh, his sister. Oh, for sure. I think I think he feels like he needs to, you know, not only sort of be antagonistic towards George because he doesn't like George, he doesn't like anyone who he feels is wrong for Betsy. You know, he feels very protective of her. You know, Betsy's nature, like I said, is quite introverted, probably not very confident, probably picks bad men, you know, and, and I think he feels really mm. protective of her. Obviously, he goes a bit too far. Um, but yeah, I think, I think his motivation is one of love and protection. One of love and protection. Yeah. And he yep. seems to have, like, I almost think George could have done any sort of like crossed like committed any offense however minor and timmy would have come up to him and confronted him i I don't think it was the double dipping in and of itself you know i'm sure i'm sure if he was sitting there watching the chips i'm sure he saw lots of people double dipping because most people do it but when george did it and he he wanted a reason to sort of go up to george and and have a go you know george could have done anything he could have like i don't know he could have committed any minor offense and timmy would have found that enough of a reason to to confront him so what a hate of the bugger yeah and the double dip was just his his excuse to go up to him and eventually start a fight (laughs) start a fight but do you feel like the double dipping of the chip do you feel like Timmy said it because he knew that or or he thought that double dipping is like putting your mouth in the thing or do you think maybe he had had it to his wits end for George yeah look like I said I think he just wanted any reason you know I I don't think you know assuming that the wake was you know, at least an hour or two hours gone by the time the double dipping incident occurs. And, you know, the dip looks like it's been used a lot. I imagine at least one other person would have double dipped and Tim would have seen it, but he would have let it go because he doesn't care. I think it was just George. Just George. Yeah. 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 yeah he just, he's, he doesn't, he can't stand George. He can't stand you. Yeah. No, he just wanted any reason. And the double dipping happened to be for him uh, enough of an offense to, to go up to him. And he's a complete eagle eye too. Like he, you know, Timmy, you know, George rather, he double dips and Timmy is onto him straight away. I feel like Timmy's just been staring at him the whole time, yeah. waiting for something, waiting for him to screw up. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and that's like you said, because of something he did earlier, just pissed him off, and uh, he just thought, no, I've got to, I've got to find a reason to get rid of this guy. Yeah, they did. They got into a bit of a brouhaha off screen. Yeah, they did, and uh, he he was kicked out. <laughs> he was, <laughs> and Timmy uh, defended his sister. Defended Good for her. him. Defended her honor. Her honor. That's right. And uh, I guess should we talk about, or do you have any other notes rather on on Timmy? Uh, no, that's it. He's not in it for much. So okay, now he's. Only in it for a little bit, but his scenes are pretty memorable. But anyway, let's talk about uh, Salman Rushdie. Uh, I mean, uh, Sal Bass, <laughs> rather. He is played by uh, Tony Amendola. He's known for Annabelle and The Mask of Zorro. He's also lent his voice for four episodes of animated TV series Castlevania. Like I mentioned before, the actor, Tony, he looks exactly like Salman Rushdie. I, I looked at photos of Salman, and yeah, he looks exactly like this guy. He's incredibly cast, eh? Yeah, no, he's definitely, uh, you know, very similar looking, and uh, it was a good casting job. It was. What do you think? Is he really? 
really Salman or is he just a lookalike who happened to live in the desert and is a writer? Do you think uh, it's just pure coincidence or he's the real deal hiding from uh, the Muslims? I don't think he is Salman Rushdie because, you know, the real Salman Rushdie, um, and obviously he's a fictionalized version if he is real in the show, but uh, I think he would be a lot more cautious about giving out any details of his life. I don't think he would even give out vague details like, yeah, I lived in the desert. I think even that would be too much of a risk. And given how much yeah. proportion Salman has to take in real life, I think that goes against how how cautious he would actually be. But maybe a theory just popped into my head. Maybe this guy, you know, maybe his name is Sal Bass, but maybe he realizes that maybe he gets mistaken for Salman Rushdie all the time and he just sort of plays with it a bit. He kind of like gives hints out, like he can sense when people think he's Salman Rushdie, like Kramer, you know, he's got it because Kramer's sort of trying to befriend him and get some information out of him. Maybe he can sense that, mm. oh, this guy might think I'm actually Salman Rushdie because I look so much like him. And he's just sort of like toying with him a bit, just playing that, playing up to Kramer's curiosity um, and just giving him these sort of general details just to sort of mess with him and get a few kicks. Yeah. Because like I said, the actor looks exactly like Salman. So I guess yeah. if we go by that, yeah, he just kind of plays on people's curiosities. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be like mean or really deceptive. I think he just sort of like, you know, it's just a bit of lighthearted like trickery, I guess. I think that maybe, yeah, he, he does that lighthearted trickery and he's probably just like he works in a desk job or something. Yeah. I reckon he probably he works like a really basic, you know, basic nine to five job and just goes to the health club after hours. Yeah. He's just a regular dude. But, you know, people have either told him he looks like Salman Rushdie or a lot of people have come up and asked him and he realized, oh, hang on, maybe I can use this just for a bit of fun, just to mess with people a bit. Maybe he can be a Salman Rushdie impersonator, but then again, he might uh, get someone who's who's got the fatwa on him to, to attack him and it wouldn't be uh, too good for him. I was going to say, yeah, like if he if he was mistaken for Salman Rushdie, then that would be, uh, yeah, quite a risky job and you'd want to be compensated quite handsomely for that. It'd be literally a grave mistake if he did it. I think so, yes. Mm. Uh, but yes, he makes uh, Kramer really curious and I like, I like the casting and yeah, I like how uh, yeah, I guess we can say that he leads Kramer on. Yeah, yeah, I think he does. Mm, for sure. And uh, he would be an impersonator, but because of the bounty on Salman's head, uh, he's probably like, no, nah, I don't want <laughs> to impersonate him or, you know, like dress like him or whatever. Yeah, usually body doubles for high-risk uh, individuals, they're usually paid handsomely or they do it out of like a sense of duty. But I don't think this guy would do either. I think he'd be like, you know what? No price is worth it. And I have no personal duty to Salman Rushdie. So I'll just I'll just play pranks mm. on people and that's enough. Nice. <laughs> Very good. And he does it so subtly. Yeah. Do you have any notes on other characters, mate? Look, I did have a couple on uh, the priest, but uh, we have been talking for quite a while and uh, he is only in for one scene. So I think I'll just abandon those. And uh, that's really it for the secondary characters of this episode. Very good, mate. Let's have a really quick break and when we come back, we're going to find out where the implant sits in our episodes we've reviewed so far and if any of today's secondary characters make our top 20 Seinfeld characters. Did you just double dip that chip? Excuse me? You double dipped the chip. Double dipped? What, what, what are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. <laughs> so? That's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip. <laughs> From now on, when you take a chip, just take one dip and end it. Okay, The Implant, the very well-known episode from season four. Ivan, where does it appear in the uh, list of episodes we've reviewed so far? Well, Stephen, we've done 148 episodes. So out of that number, for me, quite high, number 36. Yep, cool. I figured it would be in your top sort of like 20% because I know that you do like this episode. And not just for Terry Hatcher either. I think it was a it was a good, well-written episode, probably one of the, the better or best season four episodes. Uh, yeah, it was just well-written, uh, great castings from Terry Hatcher and also the guy who played uh, Sal Bass. I 
can't get over the uh, the uncanny resemblance between him and Salman. It's incredible. But yeah, nice writing. I loved, uh, well, Lane didn't really have a plot of her own or a subplot, but she kind of, you know, was intertwined into Jerry's subplot and then she got caught up in the whole, you know, breast situation as well. Yeah, liked Kramer and uh, I loved George's storyline with Betsy. I thought it would all really work and it was really nice writing by Peter. Peter Melman. Yeah, what about no. you, Bob? Uh, this one appears at number 55, so not quite as high as yours. Um, I did like pretty much everything about the episode, but I feel like beyond the famous lines, the double dipping and the uh, their real and their spectacular line, I feel like most of it's sort of just above average. Um, I just don't, a lot of it just feels pretty run of the mill. Not terrible, just like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and then those those couple of lines are obviously the, the peaks of the, of the episode. Um, I really did, one thing Fair I enough. appreciated about the episode, and I always do, is uh, that... George and Kramer have their own little storyline. Um, it's rare that George is with the core four and having a storyline without at least some involvement with Jerry. But the fact that they have their own little thing independent of Jerry and Elaine is something I always appreciate. Well, fair enough, mate. Well, uh, for me, I, I think it was a good, well-written episode. Um, but yeah, I know the catchphrase is usually elevated or, you know, they're usually the highlights of the episode. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, we can both say that it was a pretty decent episode. Yeah, no, pretty good. Yeah, I just don't think we regard it as high as uh, some other people, but uh, that's okay. We're all individuals. Indeed. Anyway, that was another episode of Bitbubask. Thank you so much for listening. We do love hearing from you via email, text, you know, Facebook post, whatever the hell it is. Uh, next week, Stephen, we are doing the season eight finale, The Summer of George. Oh, wow. Yeah. Another another classic episode. Can't wait to talk about it. And it's good timing in a way because uh, the restrictions have uh, significantly lifted here in Melbourne, which is good. And it is coming into summer. So uh, I feel like we'll be able to relate to, you know, the potential freedom that summer and, and uh, less restrictions will have for us. Uh, and what George mm. this episode where he decides to just live life, live his best life by sitting on the couch eating chips. So yeah, can't wait for this one. Can't wait and having chips and drinks uh, in the in the couch. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm just gonna, you know what? Just to just to have my own Seinfeldism, I'm gonna take the day off work. I'm gonna put on my rattiest clothes and uh, sit in the couch and watch trash TV and uh, drink coke and eat chips. Beauty and have crumbs all over me so that by the time we're recording I'll feel I'll feel like a, a sweaty good for nothing slob it's going to be the spring of Stephen <laughs> the spring of Stephen <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I like> it. <laughs> anyway yeah I'm glad <laughs> we should do a meme or if you if you follow Seinfeldisms do a meme the spring of Stephen and put it up yeah find a photo of me on uh, my Facebook if you go to Seinfeldisms you'll find my um, profile in the uh, admin and moderator section and uh, I think my photos are publicly accessible so if you go through find the most slovenly one of me and uh, add, add some chips and some beer and um i'll uh we'll figure out something if someone if someone's willing to do that i'll send them a prize or i'll i'll, I'll reward them in some way in some way yeah <laughs> but anyway you can email us bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com uh, and find us on social media at bidwabask and uh, we do have patreon and paypal on patreon you do get access to this episode earlier than everyone else as well as bonus podcasts curbcast and season 11 and big thanks to our patrons as of recording holly nikia neil and jeff they're paying around two US dollars a month and they're getting all of those goodies. Yeah, no thanks guys. We really appreciate it, especially in these uh, tougher than normal times. It is a, a big help to us and uh, it does lift our spirits knowing that people think that we're good enough to chip a few bucks to every month. So uh, if you want to be like our current patrons, check it out. Thanks for including us in your budget. Appreciate yes. it. It's an honor. Yeah. Anyway, and also you can can follow us on Facebook. We do have our unofficial page of Seinfeld memes, Seinfeld quotes, whatever, anything Seinfeld related. Seinfeldisms, the biggest Seinfeld page on Facebook. Facebook, over a hundred thousand members as of recording, and a remarkable achievement, Steve. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, we're we're all very proud and uh, still blown away, and uh, it seems to be growing even more. I think we had eight hundred new members in the last twenty four hours, so we'll be getting to two hundred thousand, you know, and then you know some sort of new manium, which is uh, what we really want, which is.
is what two two thousand thousand two million. When we get to two million members, we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll have a uh, we'll have a, a new manium celebration. Yes, and we'll be like all oh, two million. Listen to our podcast. Oh damn, <laughs> <laughs> we'd be like top ten in the world. <laughs> we'd be like an NPR podcast. Or See you later, Rogan. You're out. We're in. Yeah, you loser. <laughs> have some more DMT, mate. <laughs> Fuck off, fuck off with your hundreds of millions of Spotify dollars. Go watch, go watch UFC and smoke DMT. You're, you know, you're number two now. Yeah, you are. We're number one, baby. Number one, oh. dad. Number one podcaster T-shirt. Better than world's greatest podcast. And Rogan, Rogan will be like, ah, oh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. The, you know, the guy who challenges Jerry, like the the old. Guy. Oh, Duncan in the race. Uh, no, no. The, oh, Mandelbaum. Mandelbaum. Yeah, Rogan will be like, so <laughs> easy. <laughs> And Rogan, Rogan's all yeah. back. <laughs> I think he's pretty fit for his age, yeah, from what I've seen. I think, I think he'll be fine. He's like 53 and he could probably run circles around both of us, literally. Yeah, literally. But anyway, I don't want to get sued by Joe. I think we should stop now. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. <laughs> and we'll catch you next week for the Summer of George. Take care of yourselves and each other during these very difficult times. Yeah.